Hello friends, how was your Thanksgiving? As you can see on the player, this episode posted on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I hope you and your circle of trust, your inner circle per se, ate lots of food and were very thankful for the day yesterday. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for my family, my friends. They made me who I am today, so I'm always thankful for them. I'm thankful for technology during these trying times. It allows us to remain connected in many different ways and well, it keeps me employed. I'm thankful for music. It's always been like an escape. It's always been a part of me. Uh, I've always been connected to the radio, to the songs, I'm passionate. I sing in the shower. I go to lots and lots of concerts. I love uh, music. It's just awesome and I'm thankful for it. And I'm also thankful for sports. Um, they molded me into who I am today. They gave me a lot of discipline, a lot of uh, the never get up attitude I have. Uh, I may not show it all the time, but deep down, yeah, a fire burns in me that was put there by playing sports. I am competitive in my own ways, not in all ways, but uh, I love sports and I love watching them. I love talking about them. Uh, I, I just love sports. I'm very thankful for them. And I'm thankful for you, the listener. Yeah, thankful for you. You tune into the podcast. You tune in my radio shows. You've been fans since I started DJing uh, back in the 90s here in Laramie uh, through my stint at Lovejoys, through my community radio shows. There's a few of you that have been there every step of the way. So I'm definitely thankful for you, the listener. Now today's guest is Travis Duent. Now some of you may know him as a drummer. Some of you may know him as a guy from Moorcroft, Wyoming. Some of you may even played sports against him or with him. Some of you have maybe even worked with him. Now I'm not going to tell you how I met him because that comes at the end of the interview. What do you say we get to the interview now? I was born in Billings, Montana, and uh, lived there for the first, I don't know, six to nine months of my life. I'm not exactly sure of the timeline. Moved a couple places um, and then uh, ended up uh, for a few years in uh, Midwest Wyoming. And then we finally settled. Uh, my family moved to uh, Moorcroft, Wyoming, and I grew up from, I went uh, kindergarten through uh, graduation in Moorcroft, Wyoming. So are your parents originally from, what did you say, oh, Billings? Uh, my, mom, my mom is originally from Billings. My dad is from all over. Um, he ended up in uh, a small town outside of Billings that my mom was uh, student teaching at, I believe is when they met. And uh, um, they got married there in, in uh, I think they got married in Billings, if I remember. I don't remember, but I think that's where they got married. And uh, we, grew, we lived there for a while. And... Uh, just kind of my dad's um, job kind of took us all around, you know, to we were in Billings for a while and then Sydney, Montana and then Midwest Wyoming. And then we finally settled in, in Moorcroft and uh, me and uh, my, my older brother and my younger brother were, my older brother was in school and uh, he went to a couple of grades in, 
Midwest and then we moved to Moorcroft and then we all went, uh, went to, to school in Moorcroft from, from then on. So what's the age difference between your brothers, your older brother? And my, older brother my older brother is four years older than I am, and my younger brother is uh, a little less than three years. Three, as far as school-wise school goes, he's three years younger than me. So he was a uh, freshman when I was a senior. I was an eighth grader when my older brother was a senior. Wow. So we're fairly, fairly close. Did, were you guys, did you guys hang out together, or was it kind of separate? No, we we had I I I always um like brag about you know my the relationship that I had with my brothers. We we even though my older brother and my, and myself were a little bit farther apart, like we didn't get a chance to go to high school together at all. But we we still we've always been been close, and uh, you know there was never any like sibling rivalry or anything like that. Like we got along we got along great. We still do to this day. Um, you know I told you when I was. Uh, when we were planning the podcast and I was, oh, yeah. you know, I uh, had to postpone it for a couple of days ago uh, to go elk hunting. I was, I was elk hunting with my little brother. And uh, um, so it's like, you know, we still get along great. We still spend every holiday that we can together. And, you know, Christmas is always, is always one. We all, we're always all together. And there's never been any, like, I mean, an ill w- uh, word spoken between the three of us, like ever. So I, I always, I always, I always wonder about like, and I don't know any, you know, that much about your background or, you know, siblings or anything. It always blows me away when people talk about their siblings and they're like, oh man, me and my brother got in the biggest fight, like huh. knock down, drag out, punches thrown. I was like, I wouldn't, I, that never crossed my mind with, with my brothers. So I, we were definitely blessed as far as that goes. That, that is, I, I have brothers, I have three sisters and okay. so, yeah. <laughs> so that's, I, I, they never got in fights because they were, of age debt gap between my older sister and I was six, my youngest sister and I 11. Um, my parents got divorced. Wow. My, my younger sister is my stepdad and mom's child. And, but I mean, she's grew up with me all my life. So I never yeah. really think of anything different. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And then my dad's still a big part of my life and I have a stepsister on that side, good old blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, but my older sister and I probably had the, probably the most physical, like, <laughs> torturous relationship uh-huh um, for a long time she definitely kicked my ass and they would always say <laughs> you're so good you're such great brother and sister couple like they're just great the kids get along so well and i was like behind the scenes i'm getting my ass handed to yeah me. yeah and, and yep and so it was like once i got older like i think about the time i was 12 she went to college that was about the stopping point that was about uh-huh. the even ground and uh physically like she could not throw me down. She could not do anything. <laughs> yeah. Rest. I always tell the story of she was getting married. I was 18 years old. I was probably the strongest I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. She tries to go and throw me down. I, th- I threw her down with my right arm. I'm a left-handed guy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wham. And she used to hold me down and drool and almost hit me with it. <laughs> and, and, and so when I was little, and so uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to get you back. And I had her down, but the fear in her eyes was worth it. And I let her up and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not that mean. I don't know. I, I don't know if you've gotten to those. I mean, maybe those kind of altercations, not the drag, you know, just ass kicking fights, but some rough house. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did. De- we definitely rough housed, you know, a lot. Um, and because we I mean, we all we all uh, we all grew up playing sports. And and uh, and so that was a big part of, it. you know, we'd have football games in the backyard and and they would get a little contentious every once in a while. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, there'd be a, the, the, the big thing was like, if, if you really 
pissed off at your brother, you know, like punch him in the, in the shoulder until they, you know, tapped out pretty much, you know, but that, that was, that was the, 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 the absolute maximum that we ever, ever went to because it was like, you know, and then four minutes later, we're back to being best, best friends again, you know? And the cool thing about what it was that I loved, it was like, and I was kind of, you know, I was a shrimp growing up. Like I was tiny when I was in junior high, tiny, you know, weighed less than a hundred pounds, five foot two. And it's like, I was this little pipsqueak and my older brother and all of his friends who were seniors at the time, you know, they would give me, give me grief in the hallway, you know, that pushed me down or whatever, but I always knew. And it, but it's like, they always, they, they always said, if anybody, if anybody screws with you, you talk to me and I will straighten it out. So I always, you know, I, I always knew that they had my, they had my back and I try, I always tried to do that with my little brother, but he could, he could hold his own plenty sure. fine, all, you know, as, as it, as it was. So anyways, um, but no, I, like I said, we had a great family life growing up. Um, my parents are no longer together, but they still get along, uh, really well. And like, we all still have Christmas together. So it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I was definitely lucky in that, in that, uh, aspect that, you know, we all, we all still get along great. I, I gotta, gotta punt this out. I know how big Moorcroft is because uh-huh. I know Wyoming, but the yeah. listeners at home, they have no clue. When how you said big you, is Moorcroft? You said you were from, you're from Oregon originally? Yeah, I, lived in laramie this laramie is the smallest place i ever lived i'm, I'm from, okay that's from portland uh okay Gretchen, oregon <laughs> okay moorcroft well when um I, I it's funny i remember all of the like the populations i think when i was when i was youngest the 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 population side said sign said 1014 okay and then that was the 1980 census the 1990 census it dropped down to uh, 768 people. And then, uh, the 200, uh, 2000 census, it went up to 807, I believe. And I don't know what it is anymore because I haven't been there for, you know, I don't, I haven't lived there in 20 years now. So, um, but yeah, eight, I've always said around 800 people. Well, what was your graduating class? How many had on? Uh, 30, 35 or 36. I can't remember the exact number right around there. So, and there was a lot, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of kids that, that, you know, like, that we all went from kindergarten through 12th grade together, you know, but still there's only, you know, I knew, you knew everybody really well, let's put it that way, <laughs> growing up in a, in a class that small. I bet my little sister ended up, she went to Rock River and that kind of had that same situation. I went to Laramie High School. My graduating class was around 300. Yeah. And there are people to the day that I'm like, oh yeah, we went to high school. Like I'll run into them like Jubilee days or something. I'm like, uh-huh. oh yeah, we did, we did graduate together. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, See that, and that's five years and didn't have a class with them or did, you know, that's just odd too, but uh-huh. was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That just, that always, that's always blown me away. Like you're like, there's been a, and, and the funny thing is like 25 miles away in Gillette, um, they're, they, they have graduating class before they split, uh, high yeah. schools, they had graduating classes close to 500, which is almost the entire population of my hometown. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it just kind of blows, kind of blows my mind. But I, 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 I feel blessed every day. And I thank God that I was able to go to school in a small town because I, it, it afforded everyone, you know, the opportunity to like, you know, to play sports and stuff. There wasn't any, nobody got cut. Yeah. You only, you only got cut if you really screwed up really bad, you know, and that was just because of disciplinary reasons. There was nobody that didn't make the team, you know, and I, and I love that. It was, it was, it was fun. And, and, uh, and made some really good, good friends. And, uh, and that I'm still, you know, great friends with to this, to this day. 
I got cut in seventh grade basketball. And I was really sick at the time. Uh-huh. And so later on, the coaches saw me play. They're like, why didn't you play this way in trials? And I was like, I was sick. Yeah. And I would beat that. I would just playing well against their best players. And they're like, why weren't you this guy? And I was like, because <laughs> my yeah. dad's a really good basketball player. So we were always shooting baskets and he was a uh-huh. teacher. So he had keys to the gym. So, and my parents got divorced. So some visitations turned into practice. Yeah. Shoot, shooting a lot of baskets. I kicked a lot of field goals um, as a kid. I mean, that was my... So my dad knew at the time, he's like, yeah. you know, we'll just have well, it's a good, And I, I understand that because, it, you know, it's a good way to, it's a good, good bonding time, you know? So. And to the day, I'm probably still scared of him playing basketball. He's a seven-year-old <laughs> man. And I probably was like, I don't know if I could beat him. I, I know what you mean. I know yeah. what you mean. Yep. Yeah. He's got that so, old, old, old man strength and they, they've got some dirty, dirty moves that they, that, that, that they uh, uh, learned back in the day. We had, we, in our high school, we had intramurals and we played, uh, the staff had a team. Uh-huh. So this was all when the basketball season was over and you only allowed like two varsity players, a team to play. And you played, I think we played before school and the staff had a team and they were mm-hmm. so dirty. So I dirty. I have an, it, it, that, that ex, I, I know yeah. exactly what you mean because we did that anytime they had open gym or like over, you know, Christmas break, they would open the gym up or like early mornings or some, you know, on in the yeah. off seasons, they were the, 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 a lot of the teachers would, would go in and play and they would all be on a team. And it's all these old guys that I'm like, I'm, you know, stepping up. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. And I'm like, and I'm like, Oh, these guys don't stand a chance. And then they bust out the old man, like, like dirty tricks and pinching and, and like tripping and all of these different things. And it's like, God almighty, I'm getting my ass kicked by a bunch of, you know, dudes in their 50, late fifties and sixties. And I'm like 17. I was like, I should be able to walk all over the place with, on these guys, but no, it's, I know exactly how that goes. It, it is, it, it can be, uh, you know, it, it can be pretty rough sometimes. The moving screen shirt grab at the same time there. Yeah. Yep. And then oh, they yeah. were like, Oh, we'd roll out a really good student team and they'd be like, Oh, we'll bring in a guy that played division one ball that teaches down at the junior high. And like, oh. <laughs> Surely. Oh, yep. Sounds yeah, right. It sounds about right. Team. Yep. Stack yep. that team. So what sports did you play growing up there in Morcon? Um, I played uh, like in, in high school, I, I played football, I, uh, basketball and ran track. Um, and in like elementary school from fourth or third through sixth grade, I played baseball, but um, the only way to play, to continue playing baseball past sixth grade was to be, to go to, to Gillette and, you know, get on with their Babe Ruth team or because we just didn't have enough players to do it. So, so yeah, I played football, basketball and track. I want, I played soccer for like the bulk of my youth, quit soccer to watch cartoons in like sixth grade. Uh-huh. That's it. But then I wrestled. <laughs> Turns out I did not like, gave it a couple years, but was just not my sport. And then yeah. school, um, I did track one year, but mostly to stay in shape. Football was my sport. And then I yeah. ski raced because I grew up on Mount Hood skiing and mm-hmm. I did it as a side sport. You know, kind of football was a sport. Always thought it'd be ticket out of here, ticket to college. Yeah. And uh, did skiing. And I luckily had a ski coach that was a football coach in like the seventh grade, but he was a really good skier. So he, he coached and knew how to coach high school kids and he was a really good skier you sometimes with the ski teams you would get 
coaches that were really good at skiing, but just they had no idea how to coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he knew how to do both. And he knew how to like, at least I was good enough athlete that I could excel, but yet I wasn't doing ski camps all the time. So I was probably number six out of you know, five, you know, top five. I was the sixth guy. So yeah, I never thought I'd be good enough to do things on that ski team, but the athleticism and he knew how to coach it and everything. Uh-huh. It, it made me a better athlete and everything. Um, but I had some good years. I got a huge injury from it and wrecked really badly, but luckily the football season was over. My football coach would have killed me. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I I know that injury. I know what you mean. And uh, you know, and I, the, the cool thing about uh, I guess I look at it this way as, as being cool is when, in, in Moorcroft at the time, we had uh, one coach, he co- he was the head basketball coach or head football coach, head basketball coach, and he was the track coach. Ah. So I had one coach in high school, for, you know, and, and he was, he was awesome. I got along with him. Great. He was this big old mean dude. And a lot of people, it was, it was definitely a love hate relationship. You either, you, you, you hated him when you were playing for him. Um, a lot of the time, but looking back on it now, it's like, man, I, lo- I loved that guy. I, he was, he, he, he was a, he was a great coach. He, he knew more about, he, he, he's forgotten more about football than I would ever know. And, and it was, it was awesome to, to, to learn, to learn the game from him because he just, he knew so much about it. It was scary. And, but it but it was, it was super fun. He was, he was mean and aggressive and, and, uh, and I, I don't know, I responded really well to that. Some, some people didn't and that to, to each their own, you know, but, but I, I loved it. And, and both of my brothers loved, loved him as a coach too. You know, it's like, I, he just, he was a good, he was a, a, an awesome mentor, I guess. Our, our coach, he, um, he, <laughs> his stadium's named after him here in Laramie. Oh, uh, uh, um, Detai? Detai, yeah, he was yeah. my coach. Um, he always said he, he is the maybe the first scariest man, smallest man I've ever been scared of. Like the smallest dude I've ever been scared of. Uh-huh. Him was the line coach. They were about the same size. Yeah, I was equally scared of both those guys. Yeah, I had and, I had I had I had one interaction with with D Ty, and he was yeah. the one. He was the organizer of the uh, the Down Under Bowl. He oh yeah, the one that put all that on. So I and I went I went to the Down Under Bowl after after my senior year. So I I had I think I had one phone call with him, and and I, I've always remembered that he's like, yeah, I'm the head coach of Laramie. I'm the one that puts all this on and put you know organize it and stuff like that. So, but um, yes. seemed like a good seemed like a good dude. He seemed like a, a, a the type of coach that I would have that I would have liked. Yeah, um, he's a no nonsense guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, haircut this probably a little long. Um, you need <laughs> to get a helmet. Um, he would, he would navigate around the haircut rules. He'd be like, uh, just can't play with long hair. So yeah. <laughs> like it just didn't happen. And then we wore ankle weights our junior and senior year. So our calves were just gigantic. Uh-huh. Um, and we ran an offense that was fake to everybody, uh, run the ball. Mm-hmm. under like his dad ran it his dad is in like the coaches halls fame like yeah. it's the oldest offense in the book i think and you think to everybody every once in a while you might pass it but it's all looks the same yeah. we wore maroon uniforms brown basically yeah so under our lights who knows where that ball's going <laughs> it was like that cup game where you find yeah you know, yeah, ball, yeah. Ball. yeah 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 trying to trying to follow it yeah, that good was luck. really what we were trying to get across because uh-huh. Laramie was never, we never had this 300 pound lineman. I was mm-hmm. a big lineman. I was 236. I was the biggest guy on my team. 
yep. but we could all move. Yeah. So we're pulling left and right and moving and mm-hmm. we're in a pass block. I didn't know how to do that until I went <laughs> until I went to the down under bowl. Yeah. I went there and they're like, Detai was head coach and he's like, we're running a pass offense. I was like, what's that? Well, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah. And I had a I had a pass block against it was Utah All Stars. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple guys from Samoa. They were uh-huh. going to they were they were going to Utah and they were actually from Utah, but they were from Samoans. Yeah. Fastest, strongest wow, <laughs> athlete I'd ever seen in my life. Yep. And I would just grab on for pure <laughs> light, just grab on. And we had Australian refs, so they sucked at grab whole calls. They would not call everything. Yeah. <laughs> hold those dudes. And oh. I would be like, you can't hold me. And I was like, I will, because I like <laughs> my quarterback. Yeah. I wanna I wanna drink with him afterwards without hearing how many times I got him killed uh-huh. by a Samoan. And like yep. it was Utah, so all their players, mostly Mormon, they didn't drink. Straight mm-hmm. to bed, rest. Yeah. Wyoming kids. Hungover is totally balls. different story. Totally <laughs> different story. Yep. And yep. Samoans. The Samoans drank, so they were with us, but then oh. they would kick our ass later. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I that's that's funny that you that that you went too, because we did the same thing. We went out and I mean we hit it hard the night oh. before and we didn't care. And the, I mean the, the funny real quick funny story about that we played the Australian national football team, oh, American wow. football, American rules okay. football. We played their, their, their national team and we beat, we beat them 57 to nothing. Okay. And there was like dudes that were like that at the time seemed like they were at least my, my dad's age, like out there literally smoking a cigarette through their face mask on the field. It was like, where, what, where, where are we right now? One kid, the one kid, uh, his name's Kobe, Kobe Romig. I'll never, he had six touchdowns, six six rushing touchdowns. And it was just like, they didn't have, they really didn't know, but they tried hard and they had a blast. And then they, then, then they all asked for our autographs afterwards. That was crazy. Yeah. I've never gone asked for autographs ever. Yeah. Linemen, man. They, nobody wouldn't talk to us. We weren't glory at all. Uh So no kids wanted to slap us five or anything like that. I'm in Australia and I'm signing autographs left and right. I was like, yep. Sure. I this think I might find rude too. I was like, yeah, rude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. They'll never, they'll never know. Yeah. It was like, I gave what I remember I gave after our last game. I think, did we play three games? I think we played three games. Um, but after the last game, it was like, I don't need this jersey. I like signed the jersey, gave it to some little kid, signed each cleat, gave it to a little kid, like everything. I was like, I don't, then I don't have to deal with all this crap when I'm flying home from Australia, you know? Mine is in this room somewhere. I have, I have my jersey, pat, one of the jerseys I kept. We had a, you know, oh. a home, a home and, an, and, an, and an away one. And I've, I think I have it. I know that I have it still. And I saw it recently, but I can't remember where it is. But I, I still, I definitely still have one of the jerseys, you know, from the Down Under Bowl. We only got it was one. such an awesome experience. I, I loved it. Yeah, we only got one, so I, I was like, "No one gets this." I'm like, keeping it, like, yeah, or something. It's like yeah. no one gets this. I think I gave away one of my practice jersey, which was just a yellow mesh jersey. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah not bad." <laughs> like, it's so I was like, "You could probably buy that here somehow." Whatever. Yeah. I'm like cool. Yeah, you can have this jersey, but you're not getting my game jersey. I was like, "No, no, no, no." Mm-hmm. no I still have that one. I have my shrine jersey. I was never gonna to give up those ones. Yep. Yeah, I never played <laughs> afterwards. And like, I totally would have, if they would have let me, 
take my jersey from high school. But mm-hmm. our coach was like, he's like, I can't retire numbers. I can't give away jerseys because I'll run out of them. Now yeah. they have these fancy, awesome, kick-ass jerseys the Plainsmen do. But they can't win a game. Sorry, Plainsmen. You didn't win like we did, and we have shitty jerseys. Welcome to yes. my life. That's yeah. that, that's exactly that's that's Moorcroft to a T. They have a, you know they have a bunch of you know because we were playing in jerseys when I was in high school in the nineties. We were playing in, in a lot of those jerseys that that were from the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Ours were probably from the sixties and seventies. You can roll. Yeah, through. it was like, right. and they were all kind of mismatched. They did replace a few of them here, you know, every year. Yeah. That got you know the ones that got totally ruined, and they needed to re- replace numbers or whatever. And it's like. Oh, I guess we're going to play in these old, and we had the white, plain white helmets, no decal whatsoever. Our, our jerseys were just green and white. Um, we had green pants and, and our numbers and some, some had stripes on the arms. Some didn't some, uh, and then I, I, we were super pumped that we finally got new basketball jerseys that were made, you know, that were brand new when I was a senior. Cause we were playing in jerseys again from the, from that were worn the last time Moorcroft went to state, which was in like 91. And I was, and this was 99. We're still wearing, you know, they're at least, at least eight years old, probably older. Nut huggers, so, man. The old, <laughs> they were, they were, they really were. Magic Johnson. Larry oh Bird. yeah. You needed yeah. Michael Jordan influence coming through. So you had the baggy shorts. I remember when that uh, all changed. It's like, oh, I could play basketball now. I'm yeah, like, exactly. Things. Holy. Yeah. It was an interesting to watch the change in uniforms eventually get away. Um, uh-huh. all high schools well i probably in wyoming i'm not gonna say because besides gillette gillette wyoming had all the best gear when be- when they had one high school mm-hmm. oh yeah playing them in a uh, state playoff game it was negative 30 they were having we have these heaters that i don't know the last time they were even turned on <laughs> yeah the old, di- the old diesel or kerosene one kerosene uh, ones or whatever perfect they have little stations built like they're wearing like brand new like just gear built for winter and we're piecing it together my gloves broke in the game i it was you had you had gloves uh fancy yeah i know <laughs> only that game and we lost so yeah I mean, I mean that was this playoff game but i mean the, it was just you had to have them because it was negative 30 yeah and i started out no mine ripped down the middle I ended up playing the rest of the game in like legitimate ski gloves, like <laughs> those big old ski gloves on. And yeah. Yeah, I could still grab and I could still block and everything. But I was like, wow, this was a good idea. My gloves did not work. And yep, I remember telling people that went to that game that we're in the stands, it's playoffs and we were a pretty good team. And I was like, wow, respect. Or I don't know, dumbness because yeah. <laughs> 30, I don't know if I would have stayed and I was in the game. Yeah. And I was like, I was cold and I don't leave the game. Yeah. So I can't imagine what y'all were thinking. Oh God. There. I know. And well, so, they, maybe they were drinking like we did in the stands at UW, UW games when we were students, you know, <laughs> you know, probably, hopefully the high school section doesn't look like a UW game afterwards. And it's right. Right. Models and oh yep. <laughs> oh Yeah. If I didn't, I didn't get to contribute all that many bottles to it in high school I and mean, in college because I worked a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. So, but when I became a super fan, yes, I've contributed some bottles to the stands. And even though uh-huh. I sell alcohol in there, yes, I probably have added a few more in there. The yeah. um, Mountain West Championship against San Diego State, it's the last game in the like, season. And the next year, they're selling alcohol. Uh-huh. I swear they didn't check anybody's bags or care about anything. 
It was just a free for all. I walked in and I, I, I'm like 10 feet inside the door, still drinking my beer inside. Like might they scan my ticket beer in hand. I'm like, yeah. Oh, Hey, maybe I should finish this. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my friend's got a bottle of crown in her, her purse that she totally was like, Oh crap. And we're good. They didn't care. So we're in the stand. Oh, I mean, everybody is just passing bottles left and right. And I sit with some older folk. Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't look to you as much as much as they look like student sections. So it's, they don't look upon you. I, and I swear the, the security was drunk. Like everybody was just like, <laughs> like, no, we really cared. Like we lost, but it was like one of the better football games. Like just the vibe was, yeah, like, it's December. Yep. We're staying warm because we're really intoxicated. Yep. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. Yeah. Yes. And so you go at your Moorcroft high school, mm-hmm. you graduate, was college choice what'd you want to do after high school well i i i didn't really have any idea and yeah. that kind of coming kind of bit me in the ass i guess um a little bit you know uh i came to uh came to uw here in laramie and i i got to college and just went bananas partying and stuff like that and and almost almost flunked out i was put, put on like academic probation it wasn't academic suspension but I got put on academic probation and, uh, you know, and I was like, God, I got to get my head straight. So I went, I moved up to, I went up to Casper college for a couple of years okay. and worked full time. And, and then was, was doing, uh, taking classes. Uh, I think a few of the semesters I was, or no, two, two semesters, I was, I was working full time, uh, delivering pizzas and, uh, and also going to school full time, um, or as close to full time as I could and got, you know, I was super busy had a blast and worked and went to school and got like pretty much straight A's in, in Casper and then got my, got my transcripts back, you know, to where they <laughs> were decent, I guess. And then, and then came back to, uh, to Laramie after that. Um, and I changed majors a bunch of times because I didn't, like I said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And at the, at the time we were, you know, st- we still had, had the band and we were playing a lot and I wasn't sure whether, you know, all of how I, all of, it all would go down. And so I was kind of non-committal to a lot of things. And then it got to a point one time um, where I was, I had, a, I had gotten a job working construction and it got to the point where I was like, well, no, before that, the semester before I, I, I had, you know, I was broke as hell. I was like, I don't want to take out any student loans and I don't even know what I want to do after this. So if, is graduation the right thing to do? you know, to keep going. And I had to decide whether I wanted to pay rent or buy food or pay, or pay for school. And I was like, all right. So I got a job, uh, a friend of mine um, from Warcraft actually that was working for a construction company down here, got me a job uh, doing uh, working construction and, and uh, built the, uh, um, the holiday in here in town. Okay. And uh, so I was assistant uh, superintendent on that job site, you know, we had like it was a $7 million project and uh, you know, sometimes up to 50, close to 60 guys on site that I was, you know, kind of directly responsible for and doing that. And I knew that I wanted to stay in Laramie for a little while longer. The construction company I worked for wanted me to move to, I think it was Rollins and build a hotel there, but I definitely didn't want to move to Rollins. No. And so I, I, I uh, the, the, comp- the, the hotel company offered me a job doing maintenance. So I stuck around here and did maintenance and then I worked my way up, uh, pretty quickly into the assistant uh, general manager position that the holiday in here and did that for uh, 
for a while. And then uh, we started to get really busy playing in the band. And uh, I started, I had to like kind of step, like take a voluntary demotion from the hotel, you know, because I couldn't dedicate the time that they needed to it. And so we came to an agreement that I would just go back to, you know, working as a maintenance supervisor or whatever, you know, fixing whatever broke down in the hotel. Cause I built it from the ground up. So I knew, I knew more about it than anybody. So I was pretty good at the maintenance part of it. And then uh, we started to get even more busy and more busy. And then in my, my uh, work schedule was cut. I, I cut it down to like a couple nights a week. Um, just, you know, working five, six hours. And then at, at a certain point, it was like, we got busy enough playing music that I didn't need that, uh, that other source of income. And I was able to support myself with just playing music. And so that's where we are. That leads to today. Wow. And that was, that was years. That was, you know, I think we've been, I think I've been doing this exclusively for, um, eight years maybe where music is the only like real, you know, that's my career, I guess. Wow. We, we, we went, ran through a bunch of stuff right there. Uh, <laughs> so was, was college like UW was the way where you were going right after yeah. high school for oh, sure. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, not, def- a, I went definitely. to University of Oregon. Wyoming was not my first choice. It just kind of worked out at the end. I yeah. love University of Wyoming alumni uh super football fan uh worked there and everything so mm-hmm. hey, things worked out but i did not like a lot of people are like no you double not my first choice but it is for a lot of people and then um what were some of your majors my casting oh, was the only one i went in there was there was plenty of them yeah and i i i had um uh I'd always wanted to go to UW. it was like you know growing up a, a wyoming cowboys fan we would turn the tv on put it on mute and then turn the radio on, listen to Dave Walsh broadcast cowboy games, you know, TV announcers. That was back in the, in the, the mid to late eighties when the, the Cowboys were kicking ass and winning mountain West or, you know, whack championships. And, uh, and so, you know, they were on TV a fair, a fair amount, you know, um, back in the, the Josh Walwork and those dudes, you Walwork know, was one of my roommates. No, no, it wasn't wall. It was Walwork in, the eighties? No, Walwork was ninety six. That's right. Walwork was ninety six. I'm thinking of um, Wilniak. oh crap, yeah, Randy Welniak. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, Mitch Randy Wel. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, so anyway, uh, so it was always I always wanted to go to Wyoming, and I had hoped to play. I wanted to always. My dream was to play football for the University yeah. of Wyoming. You know, and coming out of high school, I I, I had a uh, preferred walk-on spot, but I just didn't, I didn't, like I said, I, my head wasn't, not, wasn't in the right place. And, and it did, you know, didn't, I, I had already played 10 years of, of football growing up from third grade through all the way through my senior years. It's like, man, I need to like, I want to break from that. And so when I went to, uh, before my, um, freshman year of, of college, I declared as a, uh, electrical engineering major. Oh. And then, um, once I got to school, I, uh, I was, I, I kind of just dis- decided again and changed that into, uh, computers. Well, what I, no, okay. I applied for school as an electrical engineering major. Then when I was accepted, I changed it to computer science and I was totally totally uh hoodwinked i guess as far as what i thought computer science was 
the, and I thought computer science was building computers like the, the circuitry and everything uh, like that, which turns out would have been actually electrical engineering if I had stuck, stuck to that, but I just declared it as computer science. Computer science turns out is you need to learn different languages and programming and computers. And I remember going into my first class, my freshman year, and as a computer science major, and I went into, they put me in uh, this class and the teacher asked me, the asked the class the first day, he's like, okay, you guys are all freshmen, right? I was like, they're like, yep. Um, he's like, okay, how many of you have uh, experienced coding in C++? everybody raised their hand except me. I went to Moorcroft High School and I took every advanced class that there was. There wasn't anything even remotely resembling coding, you know, as far as that goes. And I, I stopped him and he started, and then he just went into writing code on the, 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 the blackboard. And I was like, and I stopped him after the, after the end, at the end of the first class, it was like, I am totally like, I don't know what you guys, you, you're talking about in one way, shape or form, like no way. So he's like, oh, we'll get you figured out. And he's like, we'll meet together in, in uh, the, one of the labs and we'll get, you know, get it straightened out. And I got, I ended up, um, I like barely squeaked by with a D. But after that, I was like, no, there's no way I can keep, continue to do this. I was like, there's, you know, and so after that semester, I had, uh, <laughs> I had taken a, uh, um, a geology class. And, uh, so I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try geology. But then I went into, they assigned me an advisor and my advisor was, uh, his name was Jason Lilligrave and he was a great guy. He was, he's a like world renowned paleontologist. He's like, why don't you try paleontology? Take this, you know? And so I did that. Then I was like, well, no, I don't want to do that because there's, you know, I like dinosaurs, but not that much. (laughs) And then, uh, and then I, I, I decided I was like, okay, and then I went, after that, that semester, you know, when I, I, I got good grades in the classes that I, that I liked going to, but really shitty grades in the ones that I didn't go to. So <laughs> anyway, um, I, I didn't enjoy any of that um, and went to Casper College and had some awesome, and I took a ge- another geology class and had an awesome geology teacher. And I was like, I want to be a geologist. So I started that, went, uh, did a, a year of that. And then I took a uh a criminal justice class. And I was like, man, I really, I love this stuff. And then I changed to criminal justice. And then when I came back to here to Laramie, I was, I was full-time uh, criminal justice and um, did that for a good chunk of uh, a few years. And I, I don't know how many credits that I acquired over the first three or four years of my college career before I settled on one, but I know that I had enough to graduate, but I didn't have the right classes. You know what I mean? Like missing, yeah. missing a foreign language and, and an upper level English or some God, you know, some yeah. stupid thing that it's like, why do I need, why, why do I need to, 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 you know, to get a, a, a bachelor of arts from the arts and college of arts and sciences, you have to have all these different requirements. It's like some of these just don't translate. They shouldn't be necessary to, to get a, a degree when I've got 145 credits and you need 120 to graduate, but I can't graduate because I didn't, I didn't take a foreign language because my advisors didn't tell me that I needed to take a foreign language to graduate. It's like, there was a lot of, a a lot of missteps there. And honestly, looking, looking back on it now, um, it doesn't, it really doesn't hurt my feelings that I didn't graduate, that I don't have a piece of paper. You know, it doesn't, I, I, I'm still, you put it still be, I'm still, you put enough time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, I did. Probably got what they really want you to be out of college. And that's why they give you all these extra classes. Yeah, it took me six years. I aced all my broadcasting classes, all that other yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Um, but they want you to be a critical thinker. They want you to be a well-rounded person. Like, okay, you aren't just all about criminal justice. Like you. Yeah. Have, and <laughs> you probably got that, you know, and, and then you probably gained a lot of that just life lessons being in a band, you know, yeah. being on the road and everything. Right. And you spoke about that. Um, how did you get started playing music? Um, okay. So it, I guess, you know, it was a small town, Moorcroft. You kind of just played and it was the thing to do. You know, everybody just, just played, a, picked an instrument in fifth grade. Okay. And ever since I was a little, since I was a little, I was always tapping on, you know, whatever to along to the music. And I'd watch a, a, a video and, you know, like a, on TV or whatever. And, and I would, tap along to that. And then I'd watch the drummer. I would always watch the drummer to figure out like how he did that and everything, you know, trying to get, figure out how exactly he did, you know, he made those sounds. And I was, I was always drawn to the drums for, you know, since I was a little kid. And um, so when it came time to choose an instrument in fifth grade, I was like, it was no brainer for, for me or my parents. They knew that I was, I wanted, I should be a drummer. So I, I chose the drums and started, started there in fifth and sixth grade and then junior high and and then into high school and I, I was um you know i was typically like first chair you know first chair whatever yeah um and uh and just and really enjoyed it um and then it was we were seniors in high school no i'm sorry we were june uh chancy and i were juniors in high school and he had been playing guitar, like bass guitar in the concert band. And, um, and I, I was obviously a drummer. And then another of our best friends had uh, started taking guitar lessons and was, you know, getting pretty good, good on guitar. And Chancey called me up one day. Um, I was at home and he called me up. He's like, hey, and uh, he's like, let's, we're, let's start a band. Let's, let's learn a few songs. Um, let's let's learn a few songs for the uh the the christmas um talent show you know like the like the end of the semester uh assembly we're like let's learn a few songs for the talent show i was like me and you and he's like me and you and joe i was like cool he's like come up to the high school we're gonna practice in the in the music room and we're gonna learn a few songs so we did that and uh learned a few songs and played them for the talent show and uh um and then uh after that, people started calling us. They're like, Hey, will you guys play, uh, come play for, you know, this and that and everything. And, and then it, it kind of spawned from there. Like people were willing to pay us to play music. And so we just kind of started pooling the money that we got paid for those gigs and bought some, <clears throat> bought some equipment. I bought a little, uh, bought a little, um, it was a Ludwig black Ludwig, uh, um, drum kit, uh, was my first drum kit that I had. And we started going to a lot more, you know, we get busy playing. And then we started uh, playing weddings and anniversary parties and just about anything that we could, we could think of to play. And, uh, and it just kept going and we kept doing it through college and then ended up and I've been doing it for like, I don't want to date myself, but 22 years now <laughs> since we started the band, like this week actually is like, it makes 22 years. That is awesome. And that's, yeah. the, that's like, 
the almost after school special of, hey man, you want to start a band? Like a behind the music. Yeah. Like, hey, <clears throat> you want to start a band? Now it's 22 years later. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of crazy to think that it, that it's that it's morphed into that, you know. And and like like I said, it's been a we've been doing it for a long time. Um, if you guys didn't know, Chancey Williams and the Younger Brothers, the name of the band mm-hmm. uh, that Travis drums for. How'd you come up with the Younger Brothers part? We know the first aspect. How'd well, you come up with that last part of it. The the Younger Brothers. So when we first started the band, okay, a little real quick backstory. Yeah. Chancey's Chancey's grandfather. Um, uh, Les Farnsworth had a band that they played, you know, for, you know, street dances and weddings and that sort of thing in uh, Northeast Wyoming for, I think they played for close to 30 years or something like that. You know, they, they never, they never got big, but they didn't really want to. They just played, you know, and had a good time doing it. And his, the, the name of his band was Les Farnsworth and the Wyoming Playboys, which was a, a, a play on uh, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. Okay. So like old school country type type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So when we started the band, we wanted to uh, kind of memorialize him in a way in his band. So we just called ourselves the Playboys. Well, when we when we got to uh, college and started playing in bars, we're like, we thought to ourselves, you know, there's already the the negative um, assumption that you know we're trying to be cheeky or snarky or you know trying to be perverted by calling ourselves the playboys because of the you know the magazine the adult men's magazine what we so we're like you know first of all that wasn't the reason that we called ourselves the playboys the reason was because we wanted to you know immortalize his his grandpa's band so we we got to college and started playing bands in bars we thought they're they're not going to take us seriously so we need to come up with something better so we racked our brains for a while trying to, you know, like looking through the dictionary, trying to find a good word that has a good, you know, or good phrase or something. And then uh, Chancey was talking with his older brother, uh, Charlie, and, and Charlie's like, why don't you guys just call yourselves the, uh, the Younger Brothers Band? You're, you're all, and we're like, oh, cool. That's, that's got a good ring to it. And uh, he's like, you, but I, I will let you know that like, there have been so many times we've been asked like, Oh, is one of you related to like, you know, Cole younger, like the younger gang from, you know, like Jesse James and the younger, yeah, the, the yeah. youngers. And we're always like, no, we all have older siblings at the, when we, when we joined the bit, when we, when we came up with the band name at the time, everybody in the band had an older sibling. So we were all younger brothers. So that's how, that's how the, the, that name came up, came about. I got it. When you, when you said, Chances your older brother said it. I was like, younger yeah. brothers. Yep. Oh, I got we it. All, like, yeah, right. we all had older older siblings, so we were all we were all the, the younger brothers to, to is, somebody. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, now I know. Now mm-hmm. when people are like, why? I can go, it's because of this. Now I know. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised I never asked the question. But um, so 22 years uh on the you know, on the road. Um mm-hmm. when when did you realize that this was more than a garage band. This is like the real deal. I can make a living doing this. Um, I don't know if there was ever like an aha moment or, you know, like the light bulb came on and it was like, you know, but it, it got to the point where, where we were, we were busy enough. You know, I, I realized that, that it was, that it was worth, you know, making a go of it because like I'd said, we, we, you know, I had a job and we, we were busy enough that I couldn't, I couldn't possibly do that job or dedicate enough time to it. And I didn't have enough vacation time to take in order to do the job. And as my, it, it kind of, it was like, 
there was always an equilibrium as far as like my, you know, monetarily, I guess, if you want to put it, put it that way as, as one, it was, it, it always stayed at one level, but my time working somewhere else came down and the band got busier. It, the, the, there was always an equal equilibrium there. And once, once the band got to a point where, where this, the other, the other uh, job wasn't, you know, necessary, then it was like, well, I guess I'll just do, do music. And then it was like, kind of uh, um, just realizing that, you know, it was possible to, I was able to support myself comfortably without, you know, not to say, I mean, not even close to being rich yet, but, but I'm able to, to, to live comfortably on what we made playing in the band. And, and it's like, oh, well, I don't have to have another job right now. You know, could I, yeah, maybe I could work a few hours here and there somewhere else, but, but is that, is it, is it hundred percent necessary? No, it's really not. And that was, that was the moment it's like, well, this is my, this is my career now. And then after that, it's like, okay, well now I need to, you know, like focus on, focus on it more. And then we got big, bigger and busier and everything like that. And it's just kind of, it's, it's, there's always been like a, a steady upward trend in, in everything that we, that, that we've done. And, and it just keeps getting bigger and, you know, we play bigger, better shows and, and, um, and get more, you know, popular. And, and it's like, it's just it never, I mean, in, in my wildest dreams, yes, I would have expected this, but in my, like, you know, just being a realist, no, I never thought it would be this, this way. I was like, it's like, it's kind of surprising sometimes, you know, that we get to play, you know, we've gotten to play on the main stage at Cheyenne Frontier Days. And, you know, we played with Alabama and Merle Haggard and Dwight Yoakam and Gary Allen. And, you know, we've got shows with Toby Keith this, this upcoming summer. It's like, it's kind of surreal to think it's like, God, those are the, those are the, like, these guys are legitimate legends, you know, musically. And it's like, we get to play with those guys. So it's, it's, it's really surreal to think that it went from, you know, starting out to play a few songs for the the talent show and then all of a sudden you know and then later on we're playing with toby keith i not i don't compare to your guys's fandom but i've had a few in my dj rude days uh the first was seeing my name in print like advertised i was like whoa mm-hmm. that's like wow and then um the second was i was at a uw football game um behind the stadium and I think I would might have been having a cigarette. I've quit now, four years quit. So congrats. Um, yeah, it's, it feels great. And uh, this girl comes up to me and bumps cigarette. And I was like, sure. And I introduced my, she, I was like, what's your name? She says, whatever. And I was like, my name is Justin Flaskruder. People call me Rude. And she's like, DJ Rude. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I've never, she's like, I'm such a fan like awesome and i was just like what are you talking i'm like i work in a bar like i was just (laughs) really weird i was like so i'm trying to like thank you you know what do you like to hear i'm trying to like take it off me Uh like what do you like about it like what's yeah um was i'm like wow and that was odd that was odd because i was like i'm not near big enough to get that kind of reaction uh i also thought it was cool the first time i was on radio um i got a community radio station here Mm -hmm. and um I would be like, nobody else is playing this music in Laramie right now, but me. And you can hear it. And I record it and later on play it on Cowboy Joe Radio, which I'm on now. Yeah. And 
but I was just like, just dumbfounded going, this is <laughs> community radio. And now it's global. Like, and um, it's, it, I don't quite get the recognition um, by any means. Like I would get the daily interaction with Lovejoy's crowd and everything and Laramie. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Or people would pack the lines to get into a little bar. And I was the guy playing music, which was just crazy. Now you, you're the guy playing music. Well, I was I was one of those guys in line waiting to get into Lovejoys when you were DJing back in the day, because I was I remember I remember those days well. Yes, I was definitely there. I, but you know, it, it it is like it is one of those things. You know, that just reminded me of uh, a couple. Was it last year or, or I think it might have been this past year in Las Vegas. I was in the, my mom had flown down to, to, to watch one of our shows. I think it might've been when we, uh, that's an, another thing, you know, like getting to play the opening ceremonies at the NFR in, in the middle of the Thomas and Mack center in front of 18,000 people is pretty surreal, but I was in, I was, I, I went, took a cab to, to go pick my mom up at the airport and I was standing there in the middle of the airport and some guy came up and he's like, Hey, I was like, Who, who's this dude? You know, and he, and he, and he's like, yeah, you're, you know, we met in, we met in miles, miles city, Montana. I'm, you're the, you're Chancey's drummer. I was like, yeah, I am. I was like, my, and I didn't remember the guy and I felt bad about it, but it, it was that, it was one of those things. It's like, holy crap, this is where I'm a thousand miles from, ha- from, from home in the middle of, a, of an airport in Las Vegas. And, and somebody recognized me for playing music. And I was like, whoa, that's, it's, it's really humbling. It's crazy to think about it. Like, wow, that guy knows me because of my job, you know, a thousand yeah. miles away from home. Uh, I was with Ray Carlisle of Teenage Bottle Rocket, another mm-hmm. Larry band, and we were at Ween show and we're in the, on the floor and we're just standing there hanging out, talking and a fan comes up and just totally geeks out to uh-huh. him. And he's just like, oh, thanks, thanks. And you, and and I kept on trying to like, well, what do you like? And, and the fan totally just went straight, like, oh my god, I'm standing next to like my favorite punk, you know, mm-hmm. fan guy. And I'm like, okay, what do you like of theirs? So you're trying to make this not awkward anymore. Yeah, just like, <laughs> and and eventually Ray's like, yeah, and he walked over to our other friend, and I was like, and I was stuck there talking with the guy. I was like, okay, but it was those kind of situations. I'm glad you had a good one in the airport. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes, yeah, you get caught off guard in that um the phantom the the deer in the headlights you're just like yeah you're just like well you noticed me in the background there and you kind of like well what'd you like what are you into and they're just like everything and you're like oh that's great <laughs> what else what else you got you know what's your favorite song what do we play that you really like and so because i always catch you guys in home in laramie which is such a different show than i've caught uh-huh. you in vegas and everything yeah and your friends that catch you around the state and i'm like yep yeah laramie's business laramie is fun the rest of the place, business time. So yeah, yeah. Laramie's where we cut. You know, we're able to kind of cut loose a little bit, and uh, you know, we've been playing there at the Cowboy for God, I don't even know how many years now, but it's been a, a long time, and and so it's 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 fun to uh, to to play, especially after like a Pokes game, okay. and especially after a Pokes win. You know, it's just like God. There's just so something about the energy in the room, and and then seeing you know going from when we used to, when we first started playing there, we play, we would, we just wanted to play as much as we possibly could. So we would play Wednesday night in the, on the small side, we would set up, I would set up back in the corner where that jukebox is the drum kit back there. And we would set up there, play Wednesday night to, you know, 30 people in the bar, maybe something like that. If it on a busy Wednesday night 
and then Thursday night we would play, we, we played for some of the, the teen nights on the big side at the Cowboy on Thursday night. And then we played Friday and Saturday night to a few hundred people. And then it got to be busier and busier. And now, you know, now we play one, one show a, a semester typically and it sells out and there's a line wrapped around the block. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of surreal to see, to think about where we came from to where, you know, where we are now that now we can, you know, that now we get to play those shows and it's just, it's, it's, you know, sold out. I sent you guys a message one time being in line outside. And I was like, I guess the shoes on the other foot <laughs> for you now. <laughs> line for me because well, like, yeah it's like i just said i, I waited out I'm in line out outside of lovejoy's waiting to get in there back in the day when you were dj in there so i yep and, and well and also on the thursday night it was a pitcher of booze for eight bucks and it was oh yeah i'd line up for that i thought was lining up before i became a dj there yeah like interesting enough how i became a dj there i'd done it in the 90s i was a parlor dj i've dj'd all over this town um, I go to become a bouncer at Lovejoy's mm-hmm. because I spend a lot of my money there. I was like, I hang out because you guys have good deals. And the manager was like, you're a DJ, right? And I was like, I haven't DJ in a couple of years. I was in New York prior to this. I really almost had like hung it up. Uh-huh. And she's like, you're a new DJ. You're not gonna be a bouncer. You're the new DJ. Our, new da- our DJ is leaving. And it was whatever i took right over i uh-huh. stepped right in i was just like what is everybody listening to i better go download all this <laughs> yeah because i was uh-huh. changing my music was changing um over from being a dj for so long and then i was in new york and i was getting exposed to all sorts of different stuff and opening my mind uh-huh. different types so i kind of put that club stuff behind me a little bit and i was listening yeah. to bands and getting in more guitar driven music and stuff so i was just like Oh, you want me to DJ now? I got to play <laughs> hip hop shit. I love, yeah. but yet not all dance stuff. I would just drive me crazy. So you got you to relearn what's popular and what everybody likes. Oh, yeah. And I go through like, I burn CDs back in those days and I oh, still yeah. have those CDs and I go through them and I'm like, they're gigantically ruined half the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, why don't you use a laptop? And I was like, cause I don't trust you guys to not spill on it. <laughs> and i can show the proof of all my cds now that have been spilled on and everything He's got remnants of jack and coke yeah. <laughs> a picture yeah. of jack and coke spilled on on I, a case yes so many times like sorry that was probably that was probably me and i apologize oh no i mean i get people that come up to me later on like in, on the streets or another bar and they'd be like do you remember me i was that guy or girl that annoyed you about a song and i'm like you got to be specific there's, there there's was plenty of, of those. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of you, and then they get into it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember you. I there was never that many people I was annoyed by as a DJ, except for when you get the play something good, and I'd be like, um, thought I was. it was. What am I playing? Yeah. Oh, my bad music. Let me go get that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was that's always the hard part. Or like someone would be like, play Madonna. And I know they wanted the latest Madonna song, but I'd play like like a virgin. They didn't yeah. give me specific. I just right. whatever they gave me. Yeah. So that was I had my own you know games with myself as a DJ because three nights a week you got to keep it you got to keep it interesting no matter what. Yeah. And so, do you guys change up your set lists when you travel, or do you just work on like ten and you're like, all right, we're gonna. Have well, uh, you know that's that's a good really good question. We've we've. Um, just about every time we rehearse, we kind of change it up a little bit, but we, we typically try to, um, to have a, you know, like one set list that we are 
you know, kind of married to a little bit for a certain time frame. There'll still be like, you know, we'll throw a, a, a weird one in there every once in a while. But for the most part, um, a lot of the time we'll, we'll get a set list put together and it will be, that will be our set list for, you know, maybe a, uh, a, let's say a month and a half, two months, something like that. And then, you know, we might switch it up a little bit and it, it helped, it helps that, that we're able to do that in, in, you know, just getting, I guess, tighter and more, you know, familiar with, you know, like, okay, right after this song, the comes this song and it's a, it's a, you know, there's a fiddle intro or, or a big, you know, drum, uh, drum start, you know, or whatever, however, however it works, moving from song to song to make it flow as best, as best we can. And so, yeah, we do, we do change it up on occasion, but, and it's, it's way better than back in the day when we were playing five nights a week and playing five sets every one of those nights at the Beacon Club in Casper or wherever it happened to be, where we would just kind of shout them out as like in, right after at the in outro of one song, we someone would shout out what we're going to play next. And then we'd play that one next. And then, you know, we had a, we had a set list that was, you know, five, six pages long of, you know, we had to, we had to, you, you pretty, pretty much have to be pretty, uh, pretty good at playing 80 to 90 songs a night, you know, whereas now we play on a, a you know, and we try to pack it, pack as much as many songs into there is as we can, which is about 22, 23 songs in a 90 minute set, you know, so we can, but we have, we have to be good, really good at those, but we want it to flow as best we can. So that's why we stick to one set list for, for, you know, a little bit of time and then we'll change it up. We'll, we'll, we might get, you know, a little bit complacent or, or be like, you know what? I feel like we can, we can, we can improve upon the way this, the, the set flows and, and, you know, the ebbs and flows of a, of a, of a good concert is always kind of, you know, there's ups and downs and it, you know, it speeds up and slows down. And then, you know, it's just like a, you know, full out rock show by the end of it is what we what we're aiming for. So that's uh, that, you know, but we always try to keep it, uh, keep it pretty, um, pretty fresh, you know, so we don't, we don't want to play the same set list and then go back to a town the next year and play the same set list. I like how you keep that in mind. I'm, a jam band fan so i could go watch a band jam band play three nights in a row and they never play the same song over those mm-hmm. three nights uh that's my thing right. I, i'm very into that um but yeah i wa- i remember you guys in the beginning where there was the shout out songs and you did that to now uh, you guys are very crisp and you're very i mean it's very put together and well extracted you're better musicians than then yeah even though you're playing a whole lot more songs now you're playing these songs better yeah, there, there, there you go. That's that, and that's that's what we're that's what we've been aiming for. You know, it's like I want to play these songs as as best we possibly can, instead of playing a whole bunch of songs decent. I want to play these songs as like perfect. We want these twenty two songs that we're going to play tonight to be perfect. That is the goal. And I, so, and I sorry. No, I go ahead. Go ahead. I was just. Oh, I was say, like, you know, I like your, I like how you spoke about how you know the highs and lows ups and downs and then fall on rock show by then you have a you a, a vision in mind mm-hmm. where you want to start the night and where you want to get people by the end which yeah i know there's some bands that are like all right we're in tulsa do do here's our same 10 no. <laughs> yeah so, this is well, i love to hear that kind of stuff that we we just want I, i've we always want to like you know and we're still at the point now where, where we're not we're not big enough yet there that everybody knows what we are, you know, who we are, first of all, who we are, and they darn sure don't know all of our songs yet. 
we have a pretty, uh, pretty extensive catalog. Now we've got, you know, we're working on our, I think our sixth studio album. And um, so we've got a, a, a good chunk of, of songs out there, but a lot of people don't know them. So we want to throw them our best ones right off the bat to, to, to bring them in and be like, Oh man, this is a, I, I dig this, you know, that's, that's, you know, get them hooked in and then bring, take them on this ride with us, you know, as we go through the set and then, you know, have it end on as, as high as we can, you know, so that's, that's kind of the, I guess what we've always kind of aimed for, you know, depending on what the songs can all be missed, you know, moved around and, and such and still get to that same, take that same ride with, with, with the, you know, the listeners, I guess. Do you ever think about good, I call it walking music. Maybe it's maybe the last song uh, or closing down music. Um, maybe not something they'll tear down the house, but they're going to be tapping their toes at the end of the night. Still. Oh yeah. 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 That's, I mean, we always want to finish, you know, finish really strong. And, and like right now, like when I said rock show, like we do, we literally do a rock medley of a bunch of songs. There's like, and like, which is really fun to play, especially as a drummer. Like we play, like there's a, I think we put sad, but true by Metallica. Um, part of carry on my wayward son by kansas sweet emotion by um aerosmith and then there is uh panama by van halen and then uh um thing called love by darkness just like five songs you know that they they the way we put them together they all they all flow and everything like that but it's just those are like sad but true is like full-on rock song you know it's like that's it's really fun to play and and ho- and it, they're all like recognizable and we they, they're fun that we have a blast doing it and it's like th- that's leaving people on the ultimate high like they're like oh i love this song and then we bust into another one like oh holy shit this is you know and, then it, and by the time of the, it's over with it's like we want to leave them on the highest of highs and it's those are all songs that people are going to recognize across the board you know so okay. even even if they don't know who we are they're going to remember that part you know and, and then, but we have a, a right leading up to that. We have two or th- three of our, you know, our absolute best songs that we, you know, which are hard, like really heavy as far as for, for country music songs. Anyway, they're really, you know, heavy and like, you know, it kind of turns into a rock concert is what I, what I, that's how I want people to look at it. Be like that turned into a rock concert. I came to hear, hear country, but I think it was, you know, feel, it felt like a rock show. I, yeah, I get the vibe, but yeah, I've God, it's been a while since I've caught you guys not in Laramie. So, uh-huh. you know, so I'm like, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's probably Vegas was one of the last times mm-hmm. I caught you out of Laramie. Uh, one last question. We're kind of getting long in this interview. That's all right. Great. But one last question. And it's because it's called All My Friends. Sure, How sure. did we meet? Oh, man. I think that, that we met... Well, I, like I said, I think it was probably 20 years ago. You know, in my, in my, I, if okay. I remember right, it, w- it would have been around, well, maybe it, was, maybe it was a little bit less than that. But as far as I can remember, um, we met because, you know, you were doing your DJ thing and we were playing like at the Cowboy probably. That was the only place that we've ever really played in town. Um, and if, if I remember right, as far as like, don't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't really just, it's, 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 that was a long ass time ago. And, but, but it was, it was the, the conversation got started because you were a DJ 
you did your thing at Lovejoy's. We did our thing at, at, at the Cowboy. And it was like a, you know, I don't know if it was a mutual friend or if, or if one of us just came up and, you know, was like, hey, we're playing a band, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's, that's how I would like to remember it. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Help me um, out here. I, it's vivid. I'm going to say Will Ledoux probably was in the mix. Okay. Somehow. I was roommates with him. Uh-huh. I'm doing my DJ thing. Um, I would run, it sucks. I always am embarrassed of this moment. I'd run into you guys in Lovejoy's a lot. I'd probably just be working, like trying to get back to my spot from somewhere uh-huh. else. And you'd be like, hey, what's up? And I'd be like, oh, who is this? It would not <laughs> register in my eyes. Yeah. And Chancy would be like, I'm fucking Chancy. And I was like, oh, God, you guys are rock stars. You guys are rock stars. And they're like, no, you're a rock star. Look at the place. I was like, oh, this will fade away. But I was like, no, I should remember this every time because then it wasn't just clicking. It would just bug me. And, and it, uh, yeah. The, but the, I wanted to, you know, like, I wanted to, to reiterate. I, I distinctly remember my freshman year of college having a fake ID, sneaking in on Thursdays and getting uh, $8 Jack and Cokes while you were DJing. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever you know and it was like we had a we had a blast and i remember i i distinctly remember where you set up and everything and i remember like dj dj rude always always stuck stuck in my head you know and it was like man this place is hopping it was a blast you know and that was one of the kara the manager at the time that she hired me actually advertised me as dj rude i had not i'd been a dj in the 90s but i'd not i was rude and i happened to be a dj yeah. No, I didn't have a DJ name. Just she, she made it right. She, she made. She just decided what your DJ name was. Like, you're rude, and you'll be DJ rude. That makes sense. And I was like, okay, I'll roll with it. I opened up the brain iron. I was like, makes sense to me. Uh huh. Like, yeah. That's pretty sweet. I mean, just kind of the backwards way. So I fell into DJing. The original DJ job I got at the parlor. I'd gone there so much. I just turned 21. I had a fake and all that. Like it's a rite of passage. We all have fake IDs. Oh yeah. And uh, the manager was like, "Rude, you like music?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. Who doesn't?" And he's like, "You want to be a DJ?" And I was like, "Yeah." I had no <laughs> idea what I was getting myself into. I saw guys uh-huh. coming in with crates of CDs, and I was like, "Well, I can do that." And I learned the system really well enough, but I there was no. I have a broadcasting degree. There was no. Oh, I'll be a DJ. There was no radio side of it. I was the TV side. So uh-huh. it was weird that I went down that road. And it was just because I was in the right spot at the right time that the guy was like, you want to be a DJ? And then I went, hey, I have to work Thursdays for basketball, like shooting video. Can my buddy sub for me? And I got him a DJ job, like Ryan. Was <laughs> too. And we shared a lot of the same music, so it worked. Nice. But, I mean, it was interesting then it became like so synonymous who of who i am later in life people be like what's his first name and they'd be like dj and i'm like that, <laughs> that, 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 that was crazy that my parents named me dj and i am one like that is yeah and not yeah, quite <laughs> justin and they're like oh okay and i was like you'll forget that in a minute everybody <laughs> else is gonna call me rude for the rest of the night it's okay well, it, 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 as long as they as long as they remember you, that's that's you know that's half the battle. They might not remember the first name, but as, if they remember the, the rude part of it, then you know it's, you're you're winning. You're ahead in life already. And I I, go, I, I got I got I did I did get my fake ID on on the the trip to Australia. In I Hawaii. got mine in Hawaii. <laughs> 
Yes, back alley Hawaii. We must have passed that knowledge down to everybody. Everybody knew. Everybody knew it. It was like they just advertised it on the streets. Like, come up, we'll take pictures. We'll get a couple fake IDs. We'll have them to you in twenty minutes, and then you'll, you know, and comes turn to find out, like, a guy, my I my fake ID came from Illinois, and the and we had a friend my freshman year, and I showed him my fake ID. He's like, dude, this says you were born in nineteen fifty five. <laughs> like, like what he's like these numbers this is what your birthday would be and uh this says you were born in night this part of the you know it had like a, a birthday section of it that said i was 21 but he's like if you if you actually know an illinois id this actually says you were born in 1955 <laughs> it's like oh two years younger than my I, mom i was from oregon so i knew it i knew the town i knew i still i still remember remember it yeah I, I remember my address, 6489 West Schick Road, Bloomingdale, or Bloomington, Illinois, 60108. I don't even remember the address. I probably made it Powell Valley Road because I lived on that road in Oregon. <laughs> but I made myself 22. I have a baby face, like, and especially at 18. And I yeah, tried I did, to I did too. And that just wasn't, like, good enough. But, like, yeah. So, like, there was some, definitely some, I got it taken away at two of them. Cause they were they like two for 20 or something. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I had one taken away at the uh, drawbridge, which was across from the dorms, which is now a restaurant, the kilt. Black oh, kilt. The tw- tw- yeah. The, yeah, yeah, uh, the, the uh, former oh, library. Uh, what do they call it now? O'Dwyer's. O'Dwyer's. And they had that dome. That yeah. dome was built on a dance floor. Like that place is built for dancing and everything. Yeah. So uh, ID got taken away there. And then my other one lasted a while till I was 20 and it got taken away. But at the same time I joined a fraternity and the guy that took away my first ID had it and gave it back to me. (laughs) So I was good until I turned 21 and then it was all good from there. Awesome. And I was like, yes, good networking skills right there. I remember he like, I got, I joined the fraternity and he's like, I think I have something you'll want. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, what is this? he He had them all laid out and he's like, that looked like you. And I was like, me. And he's like, here you go, brother. And I was like, ah, thanks, awesome. brother. Yeah. And so, but that's awesome that you got it in Hawaii. Uh-huh. That is that is great. Yep. That is great. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Absolutely, man. I appreciate I appreciate uh, having me on. I, this was this was a lot of fun. It was my like I said, it was my first uh, my first time as a guest on a podcast. Well, good. We'll have many more. Maybe I'll get the rest of the band on. I'm working down the list. Yeah, you might as well. And hopefully, I, I know you guys are doing, uh, they're tracking a new album, right? Right now? They're yeah, the yeah. Um, um, yeah, Chansey just went down and uh, there was some tracking going on and uh, uh, trying to figure out when to go down and record uh, the vocals and uh, background vocals on that uh, first bunch of like six, was it six or eight songs? I can't remember. I think it was six songs that, would, that they just, uh, that we just got done with and uh, trying to figure all, out all of the, uh, plans for going down and doing the vocals and background vocals and that sort of thing to get the first six out. And then, you know, it's like just a kind of a never ending cycle really, but it's, it's always fun and, and it gives us a chance to learn some new music and, and, you know, put new music out there. And it's, and, you know, like, you know, we dropped our, our most recent album on May 22nd. So we're already, you know, back and back at it, which was only a few months ago. And, you know, it was, pretty cool to see that was another big big thing to see like our name on the 
iTunes charts right in front of, you know, right in between sandwiched in between Chris Stapleton and all of these other like massive artists. And we're like, Holy crap, you know, a lot of people bought this, which is, you know, one of those, those, those pinch me moments where you're like, God dang, maybe we're, are we, are we popular? I think we are. I don't know. And you sold it on tape too. Yes, we got the new one on, on uh, cassette tape. It's on tape. I- Chancy has a, a 93 Ford Ranger that he has to, he has a, only a cassette deck in it. So we got some tapes made up, but it, people, people dig it. There's plenty of people out there with ranch trucks that are, that are, that, that are looking for some new, uh, their Credence tapes are pretty well worn out. So I was talking to Wyatt about it. I was like, we all have old cars. I was like, I don't have one right now, but I would have to find a place to buy it, play it on my tape deck. But yeah, I said uh, I mean, and everything. So the reason I said that is because I was just referencing your shirt. Oh yes. Dude abides. Dude abides. Yes. And well, uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is, this is a lot of fun. I'm glad I finally found out the story behind why they're called Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers. I'm really excited for bars and venues to open back up fully so the band can get torn again. It's, it's just like having a piece of Wyoming out there on the road, out there in other states. You know uh, the band is representing this state very well. Now folks, I would like to upgrade the production of this show. From a new computer, mixer, mics, upgrading my studio and my house, travel money, a new theme song. The ultimate goal of this show was to travel around the United States, maybe around the world, and interview my friends in their hometowns or their own houses or whatnot. But we ran into this virus, and luckily, I know Zoom, and we've been doing all these interviews via Zoom. But I want to travel, and I need the equipment to travel and I want to make this show the best I can so I'm seeking your help. The link to my GoFundMe page is on the Podbeam profile. If you can't see it, it's gf.me slash u slash y86hxw gf.me slash u slash y86hxw just type that in your web browser and that'll take you to the GoFundMe page. Any help is appreciated. If you want to wait till after the holidays to donate, that's perfectly acceptable with me. The page will be open for a long time to take donations. But I want to get this show on the road once it is safe to travel and be close to people. I want to come and interview you or one of your friends. But for now, on to the next episode.